the difference between the life that I've had in the last eight years and the amazing journeys and amazing experiences that I've had, all of that, it comes down to that three hours that I decided whether to jump on the plane or not. Mm. All of it. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Algott, and coming up in episode 246, I sit down for the second and final part of my chat with actor Chin Han, rounding out our discussion about his journey, including, and this is pretty cool, including the eight years of doing what he thought would be the rest of his career and then the fortuitous chance he took at the urging of his family and friends that changed everything for him. He also shares how he built his own personal support community and why it's important to keep it diverse, not just actors, but all types of people, why typecasting and limitations are something to be celebrated, and I love this, why all life is practice. That and more coming up in episode 246. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by Rehearsal Pro, the next and newest version of Rehearsal now available in the iOS App Store. Want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character, make stronger choices? Guess what? There's an app for that. Rehearsal Pro. You can learn more about it at rehearsal.pro/iap. And let me just say, it has been getting me through a ton of auditions recently, or sorry, a ton of meetings. Rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Well worth the investment for your career. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 246. This is Trev. Uh, hi. It's just me this week, uh, at least live with you here. AJ uh, was shooting. Um, uh, many days actually and, and it was kind of weird they kept changing up the schedule with him there were people giving birth people coming down with illnesses somebody I think even passed away and so they had to kind of you know restructure the schedule quite a bit so we had a tough time getting things to line up this week but he did uh, record a few segments to share with us which I'm going to play for you guys in just a moment but before we get there a couple quick announcements at the top of this episode first off big happy birthday to our production coordinator Jen Levin uh, I, I think she's got a by the time that you guys hear this episode the, the uh, birthday party that she posted about in the membership may have already transpired but uh, nevertheless, uh, major congratulations to you, Jen. Uh, love you to pieces. You are one of the hardest working, most detail oriented people I know. And that's why we love working with you. So happy birthday. If you guys know Jen, uh, or are friends with her on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, feel free to give her a big, uh, high five, happy birthday, love thing, whatever that is. Um, 
Couple new members we have joining the family in the membership, Cameron Hunt, Alec Wilson, and Michelle Palmer. Welcome, guys. So thrilled to have you on board joining us inside the membership, creating more value and masterminding our careers and artistic journeys together. Really excited to, to get into it with all you guys. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, uh, inner image content media stuff is also in the membership. If you guys haven't seen that yet, we've got some exclusive content with the inner image guys up. And I actually met with them earlier this week, or was it last week at this point? I don't remember. But uh, we're going to be doing some pretty cool stuff together. We're going to be partnering uh, to put together a comprehensive course, uh, sort of almost like a paint-by-numbers thing, like a checklist for what to do and what to not do when you're putting together some of your own content, whether it's a YouTube short, whether it's a a sketch comedy thing, a live theater show, a short film, whatever it is, uh, we're putting together a resource that we hope will kind of cover all the bases as far as how to really set yourself up to win with that. So keep an eye out for that in the membership. I'm going to be meeting with those guys over the next couple of weeks to actually shoot some content and make it available just for our members. And this is pretty cool. We have a free vocal coaching event coming up for our members uh, on Sunday, August 28th from 2.30 p.m. to 5 p.m. in Burbank. This is really cool, guys. This is um, a, a sort of a, a, a mini workshop with a woman named Darcy Monet. She's a professional vocalist. She's a vocal coach, a songwriter, an actor, a self-professed speed demon typist. And uh, basically, from what I understand, this is uh, Jen and Deborah really took the reins on this and made this happen. But from what I understand... It's going to be pretty awesome. Lots of opportunities for breakthroughs here. Here's how it's going to work. People are going to show up with a prepared song and a karaoke track. Oh, yes. And then we're going to take turns uh, basically performing, singing in front of the group. And Darcy's going to do some coaching. Uh, and uh, we're all going to learn from each other. There's no judgment. This is all in the service of breakthroughs, of getting to that next level. You know, T. Harv Eker has a great book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and in that book, in one of those chapters, he he frames it this way. He frames sort of growth in this way. He says, you know, if you're a, a level four person and you want to get to level six or level seven or level eight or anything above four, basically, you've got to step outside of level four and go to level five until you get comfortable with level five, and then you go to level six. So really, it's these little things. Like if, if you heard me just say that you prepare a song and a karaoke track, and, you're, and you were like, oh, God, I'm not singing in front of people. That is the perfect reason to go to this event, to really step outside your comfort zone and just expand your comfort zone as a person, as an artist, as a performer, as somebody who connects with other people through art. I'm really, really excited about this. Sadly, I can't make it. Uh, I have a voiceover class on Sunday the 28th that I'm teaching. Um, basically conflicts with this pretty perfectly. So I won't be there, sadly, but uh, I did have, um, I can. I, I have kind of done this. I, I took a class uh, with, uh, gosh, what was her name? Christine Brent, way back in the day, years and years and years ago. And one of the uh, sort of breakthroughs that we had in that class was we had to either sing or dance in front of the class, uh, sing a cappella, or I think we were allowed one accompaniment, one accompanying instrument uh, or dance. We had to pick whichever one terrified us more. And I tried to go with singing and they, they wouldn't let me. They were like, no, we know you're comfortable singing, Trevor. You're going to be, you're going to be dancing for us. 
most terrifying experience of my life to dance for a room of maybe eight or so actors, but it was incredible. The breakthroughs that I had, all support, all positivity was awesome. So that's what we're after here with this event on Sunday the 28th. Uh, right now it is, we're keeping it just to members and you can RSVP for it by emailing Deborah. Her email address is Deborah with an H, that's D-E-B-O-R-A-H underscore Smith at me.com. Deborah underscore Smith at me.com. So email her as soon as possible if you'd like to get in. Space is very limited. Uh, and we also want to give a big thank you and shout out to the Acting Up Network in Burbank. They're generously donating their space to us. And they're a company that like us, is dedicated to really supporting actors and learning the business of acting so that we really set ourselves up uh, for success in the long term. So if you have any questions, you can uh, email us at the podcast, comment on this episode on the website, shoot us a tweet. We're all over the place. Uh, And of course, be sure to email Deborah, Deborah underscore Smith at me.com. And that's Deborah with an H. All right, so I I have a little bit of news, but I'm actually going to kind of put it in the parking lot for now. I, I, I kind of like to talk about it more when AJ is, uh, is with us live. So I'm going to toss the mic to AJ here and hear all about his week of shooting NCIS LA. How'd it go, man? So I have two big things to talk about this week. Obviously, since we last recorded, I was on set like a lot well uh four days of shooting and another day on the lot at paramount and i mean i don't know how i could possibly distill all everything that i learned into you know just a few minutes on the podcast i suspect we are going to be talking about that experience for a long time because different things will come up um stories questions big learns, experiences, etc. for probably weeks, if not months, to come. So, more on that later. I will say this. I was recording myself, sort of selfie video, whatever that is called, um, throughout the process, and I'm going to be putting together a video that I will likely be publishing to the Inside Acting uh, YouTube page and then posting that link on the episode whenever I get that put together. Um, I essentially would record myself when I arrived on set after each scene that I shot um, and then at the end of every day just to kind of you know, archive the experience for myself but also to share the, the big learns and experiences with um, our listeners and, and maybe even my friends and family, if people, you know, are curious and want to know more about what that experience was like. The other big piece of news, the other thing that happened this week was I got, I had an audition for a guest. I actually talked about this on the last episode. I had an audition for a guest star on a show that was being cast by a casting director who The last time I went into her her office, she called my reps and was extremely effusive with her praise, even going so far as saying, like, we want to find a series for him. Her words, not mine. 
and they pinned me. They, they contacted my agent or my manager rather because they pinned me for that same episode but for a smaller part. And I was totally game. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I'll get another, you know, uh, TV credit out of it and it'll be on a major network. I'm, I'm, this is, this is amazing. And we got the audition or we got the material rather. And it was a no name character with one line. And I went into this huge debate. I called, you know, Ben White here. I called Ryan Basham, who's been a, a guest on the podcast before. I talked to Jasmine about it. I was, you know, weighing the pros and cons because I had just booked something bigger. And had I not booked that and had this casting director not been so vocal with her praise, I might have taken it because, frankly, I just need the credits on my resume. But it's a big show and it's going to be on the air for a long time. So I took the gamble and I passed and that was not an easy decision for me. And, you know, the hope is that there's going to be something that's right for me later on in the season. And they will still, you know, bring me in. I mean, you know, they responded and the casting director said she totally respected it. And, you know, we'll find something for him. Um, but it's a gamble. And 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 it's it's crazy because this whole sometimes this whole you know, uh, industry, this whole profession is a gamble. So same offer as the onset experience. If people have specific questions about that, or, you know, are interested in knowing some more of the thinking behind it, happy to talk about it. I loved bouncing the ideas off of these really intelligent, hardworking people in my life who are, who are really steeped in the industry, because of course, everybody's going to have a different viewpoint and everyone's going to bring different levels of experience to the table. And they brought up points that I was not even, that weren't even my purview. I was not even thinking about certain things. Um, Like for instance, is the show going to last longer than one season? Um, So anyway, two really huge experiences on, I wouldn't say both ends of the spectrum because it wasn't like me passing on the other role was a bad thing I mean give me the problem right like it's a good problem to have to have a casting director or a a production put a pin in you for something you didn't even audition for really I mean that that's one way of looking at it the most positive version of that story so two really amazing experiences this week and so much to talk about that it would be impossible like I said to, to cover it in just the few minutes we have on the show Okay, so two words, uh, hashtag level up, I guess that's three words, but congratulations, man, I'm, re- I'm really excited to see this like selfie compilation of lessons learned like in real time that you're putting together, that's really exciting and really cool, and I, I'm kind of wondering why more actors don't do that, I guess, I don't know, I mean, is there any sort of risk of, of uh, violating any, because there's some sets are closed sets, you know, you're not allowed to have social media or cameras out and things like that, so maybe that is part of it, but it sounds like this was a pretty open set, and I'm, or maybe it was all just in the trailer. I don't know. I'm excited to talk to you about it, AJ, and I'm excited to see that. That is really, really fun to be part of your journey in that way. Uh, and secondly, what a cool problem to have with uh, being offered essentially a no-name co-star uh, and then saying 
really come, being at that place in your career where you say, uh, no, I don't want to, um, for lack of a better term, burn my um, spot on this show, especially if the uh, if the praise is so effusive, if the feedback is so positive. You know, saying I, um, I'm kind of at a place right now where uh, I'm sure you could find plenty of actors for that, but I'm at the point where I don't do that anymore. I, I don't play police officer number one, especially if if you know you're pretty committed to bringing me on this show. I'm going to make sure that when I do get on this show, I'm going going to be a name, uh, you know, a, a character with a name, a guest star with a name. Reminds me of uh, Dewan Johnson in his interview. Not too long ago, he had the same kind of thing come up. He talked about that. And uh, I think that's a great place to be in your career and to really recognize and take ownership of that and not let uh, the possibility of a job kind of push you into a situation that might not be advantageous. This is thinking strategically about your career and working with your representation to really do it right. I think that's that's awesome. So congratulations, congr- let me say that again, congratulations, con- easy for me to say, congratulations, AJ. Uh, cannot wait to connect with you uh, in real life and, and, uh, and share this uh, with our listeners on the next episode. So before we get into this second part uh, of my chat with actor Chin Han, we definitely want to give a big what what to VO2Gogo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. They're a longtime supporter and sponsor of uh, this podcast. As you guys know, I teach the Hollywood arm of the uh, year-long curriculum with VO2Gogo, and I think it's the best training out there. And I honestly would not be saying that if I thought there was something better. I think there's a lot of good training out there. I think it's kind of hard to go wrong in LA, but I think this is the best. I've, I've looked at a lot of the other stuff, and, and it just doesn't get any more clear or concise or um, uh, actionable as it does with VO2Gogo. So if that piques your interest, if I have sold you on this, visit vo2gogo.com slash start and get access to a free getting started in voiceover online class right now. It'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio, get you set up from knowing absolutely nothing about voiceover to knowing exactly what gear and software and practices you should be installing in your life to make this uh, something you do. So that's vo, the number two, gogo.com slash start. All right, and that brings us to the second part of my chat with actor Chin Han. This is a pretty cool journey, guys. I, one of the coolest things about about producing this podcast every week and having the opportunity to sit down with people is to hear all the different attitudes and ways that people find their way into this industry and, and find ways to nurture themselves, both spiritually and career-wise and professionally. So enjoy this second part of my chat with actor Chin Han, and I'll catch you on the other side. specifically like you you said you kind of you 
had some success uh, with this television station that kind of moved into, you know, dramatic narrative stuff in Singapore. So what was it that in you or what was the opportunity that presented itself if there was one that just said, okay, now it's time to take the next step? I took a step back, actually. This is the interesting thing. I didn't take a step forward. Basically, after doing television, I took a step back because I felt that, you know, I mean, for some, for whatever reasons, that was a... That was a challenging endeavor because on so many levels, you know, we, we had a lot of people from the theater uh, moving to television, you know, so the, 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 you know, it was getting used to a different form of acting uh, or different, you know, uh, a different medium of acting uh, to, to act within. And then there were producers that were newer and scriptwriters, and they had brought uh, expertise in from other countries. And, you know, it was just, it was just, I would say experimental. So, I mean, in that process of the few years that I was working on, it, w- it was challenging. And, and at the end of it, I felt, you know, I was a little, uh, I, I just felt I'd given all I had to give at that point in time and uh, wasn't, you know, w- wasn't interested in looking at that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I went back to the theater and not even as an actor, I went back to the theater uh, wanting to direct, and obviously well, the easiest way to do that as a new director was to produce your own work as well, because, I mean, the, the investments are hard to come by, when, especially when you're a first-time director, right. or people putting money into the thing. So I produced it too. And so with our first play, which was The Blue Room, David Harris' uh, The Blue Room, uh, and we did the Asian premiere of that, I remember, and that was r- successful. And uh, I said, okay, this is great. You know, I think I can do this. And then I did that for another once, you know, from 1999 to 2007. That's another wow. Years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I was producing theater and, and, and uh, directing theater, and uh, I was doing the odd movie here and there. I did a miniseries. I did a movie with Tom Fitzgerald called Three Needles with Lucy Liu and... There was Chloe Sevigny and Olympia Dukakis and Stockett Channing. Um, and and that was the only acting I'd done in the eight years, hmm. you know. Uh, but it was wonderful. I mean, it was so wonderful to to not be in front of, of you know, of either the audience or a camera. Uh, and I thought that was it. I thought that was going to be my life, you know. I thought hmm. that was going to be the rest of my career, in the biz, and then the Dark Knight happened. Hmm. And, yeah. and what was that like? How would that? How did that unfold? Well, the Dark Knight happened when I was, uh, you know, I had a friend who was a manager. Uh, I I wasn't his client. He just was a manager in Vancouver, and uh, he was a friend because you know he was originally from Singapore, but he had migrated and and is now living in North America. And he had a headshot of mine that that was taken like 10 years ago. (laughs) And uh, when the audition came up, somehow he had the inspired idea to submit my headshot. And then we got a call from John Papsiger saying that uh, he would like to see me. And at that time, I was in Singapore, but my friend had thought I was in Los Angeles because I was in Los Angeles producing an award show called the Asian Excellence Awards, which, you know, we had kind of set up to be like the Asian Oscars of sorts. And 
So I was there to produce it, and he thought I was in Los Angeles, but I had already gone back to Singapore. And uh, he said, "Hey, look, I mean, we have this audition that you that's in for, you know on Saturday, and it was Thursday, right? Uh, do you want to do this?" And I said, "I'm in Singapore. I you know I can't really come over." <laughs> And uh, and we we talked and we said okay maybe, maybe they'll reschedule. And we called them. This nah, you know. I mean this. I mean, I was I you know. I mean they're not going to reschedule right. something like that. I mean they can see any actor in the world. Yeah. You know, and they did see all the actors from you know Asia, from Hong Kong to China to New York to LA. And there's no you know. I mean if you can't make it, you can't make it. And and we were like, yeah, you know, but how about we put ourselves on tape? And then they're like, yeah, if you, you know, you know, if you, if you want to do that. So we got the message loud and clear, you know, yeah. that we, we had to be here for mm-hmm. it. Uh, and so I said, okay, send, send the script and let's have a look at this. And then they sent the script. It was like two pages of, of jumbled, you know, of dialogue that just didn't make any sense. The characters had names that didn't weren't recognizable. There was like not, you know, a Lucius. There was no Lucius Fox. There was no Joker. There was no Bruce Wayne. Nothing, right? There was no names that are recognizable. The, the dialogue was different, and you could not tell, you know, whether this was. You know the the big Asian mobster in the movie, or a janitor, basically mm. in the movie. You just couldn't tell. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm embellishing a little, but I mean, it it, it was like this. Was so that because of like NDAs, like they had to keep it all yes, sort of under wraps. Yes, okay. and 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 Chris is is, is uh, well known for uh, keeping all his movies under uh, unbelievably tight wraps. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, that's an incredible uh, system that he has, mm-hmm. and and so. It was a gamble, right? I mean, I, I knew they were seeing everybody under the sun. I didn't know how big this role was and what it was. And so it was a question of whether I was going to jump on a plane in three hours or not. Uh, should I get the ticket on Singapore Airlines, fly to Los Angeles? Because they, they had a flight, you know, they had a couple of flights going out, I think, the day. And I had a quick chat with my folks, my family. I'm like, this crazy thing just came in for me, you know, and... Uh, and, uh, you know, there was some stuff happening at home and, you know, I didn't want to leave that. And uh, so I, I had this conversation with my family and they were like, no, no, you know, I think we should go. And they said something very, very uh, insightful, actually. I had been producing and directing for so many years and they said to me, they said, you know, that is what you really want to do, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. acting we think you should go. And I was like, look at, you know, there's nothing, you know, I don't know what I'm going for. And I have to leave on top of that. I have to leave in three hours. Yeah. That, and that couldn't have been a cheap <laughs> you know? ticket, you know, that, no, yeah. you know, and, and so they said, no, you know, I mean, we know you well enough. We know that you've been producing and directing and, you know, but we know in your heart, uh, that is what you want to do. And so I got on the plane. I was severely jet lagged when I got to, uh, Los Angeles, I had like five hours of sleep or something, uh, and then was in uh, John Papsidera's office in Culver City, where mm-hmm. we are in right now, mm-hmm. uh, on Washington Boulevard, and uh, and then I went in and I I was in the zone. You know, we talk about being in the zone. You know, the the the, the um, 
you know, you t- we talked about it earlier about you know not not being tight or as a as a yeah. as an athlete or a performer. And I just was, I think, partly because I was so tired, <laughs> and partly because I yeah. was so jet lagged as well. And then I went in and I did it, and I felt good, you know. I felt like I was in some kind of groove. And uh, I think within a week they called back. They said, "So who who is this guy? <laughs> you know, mm. do we have more material on him?" And you have to remember, by the, at that time I hadn't acted in a long time, so I had to cobble together. I mean, I wasn't going to put together the TV show because I mean that was so long ago. On top of that, on top of the fact that it was a TV series, you know, TV show, yeah. so I had like one or two things that I was, I felt was acceptable, you know, and from film like Three Needles and this and um, other movie I did called Blindness, and kind of tried to edit it in a way that <laughs> that felt substantive, you know. Right. And then we sent it off, and then we didn't hear from them another week. Uh, I think I think the producers wanted to see more stuff, and then the stuff went out to Warner Brothers, and then it was like four weeks later, five weeks later, and then they needed me to come back in again because Chris needed to see me again. Wow. And Chris is so meticulous. I mean, I have to say that Chris would see everybody. Uh, he would see, you know, even the smallest roles he would want to meet, you mm. know, with them <clears throat> or see them. Um, and on top of the fact that Chris doesn't shoot with a second unit, um, mm. and he shoots big movies, yeah. he has he has no second unit. Every frame of the film that you see in every movie that he does is his. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there was that second thing that I went in for the second uh, meeting at John Pepsodera's office that I went in for, and I knew at that point that if I, sc- <laughs> I knew that that was crunch time. That was crunch time, you know. I mean, it's it's make or break, right? I mean, that they're not going to see me again. The next call that I get will either be I got it or I did not get it. I mean, after six weeks, it's not going to right. go on any much longer. And then, um, and then I went in and I did it. I did it, and uh, and I didn't know how I did. And I think uh, shortly after we got the call, and uh, and uh, it was that, you know. Uh. So. Uh, in essence, basically, after that, obviously things came and things started to happen. And I haven't stopped acting since 2007, by the way. And it has been an amazing journey. I've rediscovered my joy of acting, my love for it. Uh, it's. I feel like I've been given a second life. Wow. You know, a second opportunity, a second life. And then thanks to Chris Nolan and all the other directors along the way as well. Uh, but to think that... Um, the difference between my last seven, my last eight years, the life that I've had in the last eight years, and the amazing journeys and amazing experiences that I've had, all of that uh, would have come down. It comes down to that three hours hmm. that that I decided whether to jump on the plane or not. Hmm. All of it, and it, it, it's. It's mind-boggling to this mm. day. I mean, to, for for me to this day. Yeah. Wow, and you, your family saying to you, you know, like, "This is what you do. This is what you want to do. This is your yes. path. So why not do it?" Yeah, and then that made all the difference. It made all the difference, you know. I mean, which is why it's so important to to have a good uh, uh, community around you, you mm-hmm. know, uh, wherever you are. And you know, I mean, what I said about acting class and all that stuff, you know, I mean, um, I'm, I'm not ragging on that i mean i think i think um the, to be in school and to be in 
in, 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 in drama class and, and to have a community is, is important. It's, to have the community is almost as important as doing the work itself. Mm. Yeah. Because the community is what's going to keep you sane, I think, you know, when times are tough and, and the community is going to enrich your life. Uh, while you're here in Los Angeles or New York or anywhere else you, you decide to choose because you, you do have to enrich your life because that's what you're going to draw on when you're working. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, this is all I want to do. This is all I want to do. But, you know, that's, you got to live, you know. It's pretty one-dimensional if you just do that. Yeah, yeah you got to live because that's yeah. where you're going to, that's going to, you know, that's where you're going to draw it from, you know, your experiences from. What, what is your community, if you had to sort of describe it or sum it up, what, what do you... Who do you associate with and lean on the most? Well, I've picked up a lot of uh, friends. <laughs> I've picked up a lot of people along, you know, along the way, you know, in the last eight years and nine years, because I came here not knowing a soul. That's the truth. You know, I mean, when I did The Dark Knight, I mean, I hardly knew anyone in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the last nine years, you know, I've uh, picked up friends from productions along the way, from movies, Our friends from The Dark Knight, still friends of mine to today. Uh, friends from 2012, Roland Emmerich. Uh, mm-hmm. I've worked with twice now. You know, in 2012, in Independence Day Resurgence, and all the producers that worked with him. You know, from Larry Franco, who was produced Spider-Man and Jurassic Park. And you know, I mean, these these people are people I see on a semi you know regular basis. And you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and other TV shows. You know, like the show and like Marco Polo on Netflix. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, those people who you know, those those are my friends, you know. Um, uh, and then now, Ghost in the Shell, you know, having spent five months in New Zealand, I'm sure I'm going to see uh, many of them again, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, because we got so close, you know. Was, you know, we, we we spent almost every day together, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's it's, it's a nice place I'm in right now, um, and I'm very grateful for that. I mean, I'm very very grateful. For mm-hmm. that. What I like about the community you just described is that it you described people from all different pieces of a production. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a lot of uh, actors who are you know still kind of getting their their foundation built underneath them, they think only in terms of other actors. But you have talked about crew members, you've talked about producers, you've talked about writers and directors and all these people, DPs, mm-hmm. uh, people that you uh, associate with on a regular basis that you that you can call friends. And I think that's an important thing to just point out for our listeners is that it's just one big family. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we as actors sometimes get locked into the idea that we're a specific piece of the puzzle and like we shouldn't like look at these other people in the eye or, you know, like whatever, like mm-hmm. there's certain things that we just start to make up for ourselves, but it's not like that when you're on a, on a, on a big project. No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's uh, you know, it's, it is collaborative on, yeah. a, on every, every, every project. Yeah. Yeah. On every level, you know, I mean, one of my best friends uh, to date uh, is the legendary makeup artist, uh, Peter Rob King, who I got to know on the dark night. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm in London now, we meet for dinner, you know, I mean, whenever he's here, we, we hang out. Um, you know, but, um, uh, you know, he would have stories about incredible makeup stories, you know, about his time on aliens or doing Ridley Scott's legend. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, his friendship notwithstanding, and I appreciate his friendship. 
you know, getting that point of view or getting that, that side of the story uh, is very uh, informs us, you know, and it teaches us how to behave on set, mm, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that you, you realize that, you know, they're all people. Even your driver is a person, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, is subject to having a good day or a bad day. And, you know, I mean, um, it, it teaches you how to work with people, you know. And, and at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's life too, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all extras in everybody else's play, you know. I think that's an yeah. interesting way to think about it. It's <laughs> like, like, you know, we're all the stars of our own movie, you mm-hmm. know, as we go through life and everybody else is sort of a... So I think if you, like what you just kind of said, is that like, you know, even your drivers have good days and bad days. And I think it's important to recognize that these are, these are, these people are just as important as anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and, and they can, they can make your day, you know I mean? Too, you know, it's not just one way, you know, I I think, uh, I I remember when I first arrived in New Zealand and, you know, got to know the crew and the, the production people on Ghost in the Shell, you know, I, I met wonderful people and there was a driver who, I, I love drivers, by the way, they, 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 they're so integral, you know, especially like, you know, if you're going to be there for a long shoot and they're the people who are going to see you and pick you up at five in the morning, they're the ones who are going to drive you home, you know, mm, yeah. they're important. Um, and, you know, I, there was a particular driver who decided, you know, he said, hey, let me take you on a on a tour of Wellington and he, he takes me around and and I got to see amazing things you know uh, and in London when I was doing um, The Dark Knight I remember there was this older gentleman you know by the name of Phil and he was old school and you know he would uh, open the door for me he would, you know he was just I, you know, I, I, you know I, I don't need that stuff but you know he was very old school and but I remember him so well, you know, like even to this day, I remember his name and he took me to, you know, he took me to the the Hammer Studios, you know, where they mm-hmm, did yeah. the Hammer Horror movies. Mm-hmm. So he was like, hey, you want to see something cool? And then so you know, he took me to the Hammer Horror Studios. So I've learned a lot of things from drivers, right. you know, never, never, you know, don't, don't. Don't be mean to your driver. Uh, <laughs> there yeah. it is. And cut. Uh, that's awesome. I, yeah. I, I'm curious because I, I know we've got to wrap up, but I have just one more sort of interesting question. I've heard that on Christopher Nolan's sets that everybody's dressed like to the nines, that everybody's <laughs> like in a suit. Is that true? Mm, well, not, not everybody, uh, but he is. He's, he's really sets a standard for like excellent dresses yes he does I mean he 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 has a he has a vest that he wears uh, on his uh, productions and uh, he he's he has a crisp white shirt he wears a vest and then a coat hmm. a, ja- a jacket or a, if it's colder it would be an overcoat and uh, yeah that's how he dresses hmm. I mean he's 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 uh, he's very consistent that way that's cool because you, you know a lot of directors that I've worked with and that I've seen working on set you know they're in shorts and a t-shirt you know Michael Bay or whatever like a totally different <laughs> thing but I, I find it really interesting that he makes a conscious choice to dress almost like in a suit every day uh, yes and yeah. uh, but you know I mean it, you know he brings a certain dignity to the, to the you know to the profession and, and, and you can see it it's reflected in the meticulousness and, mm. and the and the you know, uh, his craft, really. Um, 
and we're all the better for it. I mean, it's it's wonderful to to work on a Chris Nolan set because you feel like you're in safe hands, and there's nothing better to feel than that as an actor because then you feel free to do stuff. You know, mm. uh, you feel like whatever happens. Uh, he's got your back, you know. He's not going to let something bad go through, and he's going to be intuitive, uh, and uh, and and you know, be very uh, uh, judicious and 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 smart about your good takes uh, mm. too, you know. Because as an actor yourself, you know, I mean, I I've grown to not. Um, you know, I, I look at the monitor whenever I need to. Sometimes with more the, the more action based stuff, you know, like you know, I've done some action stuff, like with Marco Polo, martial arts, or even with Ghost in the Shell, major action set pieces where I'll go and look at the monitor because you just kind of need to know how you figure in the whole thing. Uh, but I, you know, you don't, I, I try, you know, I don't look at the monitor that much uh, anymore because you're not the best judge of yourself you know mm, i mean yeah. you're looking you're looking at a scene and you know you can be in a scene with five other people and then all you're looking at is your hair or something like that you know mm-hmm. uh but obviously with a director like chris nolan or with steven soderbergh you don't even feel the need to look or check the monitor you know you know that you're in good hands you know whatever they they, they choose uh, is probably a good one hmm yeah uh, last question before our final two questions. Mm-hmm. So we have three more questions. Um, I imagine that, you know, Hollywood is built very much on type. Mm-hmm. So many of us are type, we're all, I think, typecast, at least at the beginning of our career, whether we like it or not. Um, what has your experience been as an actor coming from Singapore, having a very specific look and sort of, of manner of being? Um, has it been a blessing? Has it been frustrating? What, what has it been like for you in, in Hollywood? I think uh, <clears throat> I've always been very honest about uh, what my, where my strengths are. I think that's, that's going to, oh, where you're not, you're not that, you know, I mean, if yeah. you're not... Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not a gruff uh, New York uh, city cop, you know, kind. Um, as much as I'd like to think of, and every actor would like to think that they're able to do everything, you know. Right. Um, you know, some of us are able to, and some of us are, are not. But some of us are able to uh, work within the range that we have and, and go deeper, and I, I think that in that respect, I don't find myself limited in any way. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think uh, I understand that, you know, there's, there's people perceive me in a particular way. Uh, there are some people who are more willing to take risks with you. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, you go, you know, you take the ball and run with that. Uh, but in general, people will see you in a particular way. And if they're going to see you in that particular way, then do those roles well. You know, mm-hmm. go deeper. You know, go go. Uh, you know, plumb the depths of complexity with with whatever you know range you're working within. You know, um, yeah. Until you know, and and then occasionally you will still get the opportunity if you're good enough. Occasionally you will still get the opportunity to to break mold and and do something else like. Uh, occasionally, you know, I mean, like when I did the 13th century chancellor, you know, in, in Marco Polo or a Tibetan shipbuilder in, in 2012, occasionally someone will say, hey, I think he can do that. And then when you're afforded that opportunity, do it and, you know, and, and have a blast uh, doing it. But mm-hmm. otherwise, 
you know, you know, there's there's no bemoaning of 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 how people perceive you. I mean, we all we all have very unique and distinct traits. Every one of us, you know, mm-hmm. there's no, <laughs> um, you know, there's nothing limiting about that. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's something to celebrate. Yeah. yeah, rather than bemoan the limitations of it, it's something to celebrate and say, "This is my." This is my ticket. This is these are my blessings yeah. and my strengths. Well, yeah, I mean to, yeah. to, to to borrow an American phrase, this is my jam, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, Absolutely. It just yeah. sounds so funny coming out of my mouth. I don't know why. <laughs> I just kind of like slow your role player or something. Yeah. Like that. I, I can't. I can't say things like that and and, and yeah. you know, sound right. Just yeah. add a bro after it, and then you're you're all set. <laughs> this is my jam, bro. Um, so our, our final two questions. We have two questions we'd like to wrap up e- each. Mm. Um, conversation with a guest with Mm -hmm. and uh, they always get really interesting answers so I'm I'm especially interested to hear yours the first one is uh, do you feel that this career path or this lifestyle or whatever you want to call it this journey chose you or did you choose it um you know I'm gonna give the the boring uh, answer uh, both right okay yeah and and I know that that's a a bit of a cop-out but uh, you know, I set the intention to do it, but without the opportunities uh, afforded me, um, you know, uh, I I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now. I will still be acting, I believe, but it will be somewhere else, and it will be in different kinds of productions or projects. You mm-hmm. know, so <clears throat> it chose me in the sense that. Uh, without all the uh, things falling into place and and you know uh, uh, timing and and all those inexplicable things, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be sitting here today, uh, you know, uh, uh, with, with the, the the films that I've done. But I chose it in the sense that even if I wasn't here in Hollywood now with you know these movies. Uh, having you know, uh, I would still be doing it. So that's how I chose it. I would still be mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I don't think that's a cop out at all. I think that's awesome. <laughs> um, and then the second question is: If you could take all your experiences, all your mistakes and stumbles, all your victories and lessons learned, and condense them down into one nugget of wisdom or advice to mm-hmm. pass on to somebody who's also walking this path, mm-hmm. what would that nugget of wisdom be? Um, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, a lot of people tell themselves this, right? That, uh, when I get this, I'm going to be happy. When I get my TV series, when I get the pilot, when I get that movie, and then when you get it, and it's like, when I get that, um, uh, second lead, or when you, when you have the second lead, well, when I get the lead, you know, um, you know, I, I, I think that um, just just love what you're doing at whatever, le- you know, whatever levels you're doing it at. Uh, because, um, because if you're not able to find some, you know, satisfaction or gratification doing that, uh, it's, you know... the. Going up one level is not going to help you find it. Mm. You know, uh, you you just have to, you know, find the joy in your community. Uh, you find the joy in 
the you know your loved ones find the joy in the life that you have you know whether you're sharing an apartment with three other guys in west hollywood or <laughs> living in a mansion in hollywood hills you know just just find the joy you know mm-hmm. uh in it um it, it, don't wait you know don't wait i mean i've seen people's lives come and go and you know uh and misspent or wasted, you know, because of that. Yeah. And I, I think that um, continue to work and, um, you know, uh, continue uh, living your life. And uh, I wish you all, uh, you know, um, a, little, a little bit of luck, you know, and, and, and good, uh, good friends. Awesome. Shin Han, thank you very, very much. If people want to find out more about you um, online, obviously they can go to your IMDb profile to see your body of work. But mm-hmm. do you do the social media thing, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? I do, I do. So, I mean, you can uh, you can find me on at the Chin Han. It's Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Cool. Yeah. All, at, or at that at, symbol, at the, the Chin Han. At the Chin Han, yeah. Okay. Cool. We'll make sure we link to all of those on our website in the show notes for this episode so people can connect with you. Okay. Thank you Um, very much. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. This was awesome. Thanks, Trevor. All right, guys. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that chat with with Chin Han. such a nice guy and I I do want to say man hard hard worker he was like fresh off an airplane uh, for this interview I think he had slept maybe two hours in the past 36 hours or so so he was a little jet lagged he was leaving right from this interview to do another thing with I think it was E or maybe it was uh, Hollywood E I don't know one of those like big entertainment channels and then from there he was going to head right to uh, a premiere uh, or some sort of opening or opening or party or something for the Independence Day film. So Guy is a hard worker. He knows how to hustle. So I think there's a lot we can learn from him. Just keep an eye on him as he uh, continues with his career. But really excited to have him. Chin Han, if you're listening, thank you again for your time and generosity. All right, let's talk about Picks of the Week. What cool find or recommendation do you have for us this week, AJ? You probably already are watching it, so this may be a completely useless Pick of the Week. But yo, the hype is real. Stranger Things, get on it. If you are not watching this show yet, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know what to tell you. Your 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 friends and your family are going to start by making fun of you, and then they're going to, to disown you because you're not going to know what happens, and they are. Stranger Things, Netflix, Winona Ryder, three adorable kids. Why aren't you watching it? Go watch it. Go watch it right now. Stop listening to the podcast and go watch it right now. Oh, man. Another show to add to the list. I'm already so behind on so many things. I haven't even finished up uh, the latest season of Vikings yet. That's been my latest obsession. All right. Stranger Things. This is actually the third or fourth person to recommend this to me. So thank you, AJ. Noted. Added to the list. My pick of the week is an app for the writers listening. Uh, You've probably heard of it if you are a... um, a regular writer of any kind, but it's an app called Scrivener, S-C-R-I-V-E-N-E-R, Scrivener. It's a desktop app, so you buy it for you know your laptop or your your desktop computer. Although there may be 
mobile versions. But you can find that online. Uh, you can just do a search for Scrivener, or you can go to literatureandlatte.com. There's a free trial you can get, and there's also a, an option to purchase it for $45. And it's a really, if you're a writer of any kind, if you blog, if you are a fiction writer, if you write poetry, lyrics, anything that requires any sort of organization or sort of digital mind mapping as part of the writing process, this is an indispensable app. It has been, the virtues of it have been extolled to me for many, many years. And I, I pulled the trigger on it about a year ago. But as I've been uh, using it for, for various things, you know, for the podcast, for writing the copy for the podcast, for uh, brainstorming different things, I'm still working on my national novel writing month book. Uh, I'm actually still working on that. And I've got my cover of the Nine Inch Nails song to finish up. Man, I've just too many things. But this app is a great way to help keep things organized. It beats the shit out of a Word document as far as writing any sort of long-form content. So Scrivener, check it out. Absolute must-have app. Absolutely brilliant investment for your career if you do any sort of writing, any sort of um, organization with text, large bodies of text. All right, so that is Stranger Things and Scrivener. Links to both of those on our website. And I think that about does it for this episode. We do have a great listener pick of the week that we're going to highlight next week. So um, keep an ear out for that. But until then, this is episode 246. Uh, It was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott. And of course, we heard from AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubarek is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. Timothy Patrick Waterman is our director of public relations. Trevor Algott, that's me, hi, uh, edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. And Fern Lim designed our logo. See her work online at thecontagiousfern.com. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatches and listen to all of our recent episodes over at our website, insideacting.net. You can also find us on the social medias. We're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. At all of those places, just search for Inside Acting. And if you do nothing else, a favorable review on iTunes goes a long, long way for us. It's a lot like putting in a tip in our tip jar. It's easy to do. And if you uh, are, are digging the show and you want to contribute, but you're not ready to throw a dollar or two our way, that's totally cool. Uh, take a minute now to head over to iTunes and just tap that fifth star to the right. A nice five-star rating helps us a lot, and it helps other people discover the show, too. Big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo.com, and a big thanks to you guys, our listeners. As you know, there are many ways to support the podcast, one of which is becoming a member. It, it, it can help you really implement and maximize uh, what you hear on the show. Uh, and add it into your life and career in meaningful ways. And it also is a great way to support the continued production of the podcast. If you sign up as a member for seven bucks a month, you get cool perks, you get access to our private member community, invite to ex- invites to exclusive member meetups, uh, fun freebies, Spend, sending out a few of those freebies actually uh, next Monday, this coming Monday, special bonus content, and more. So that's seven bucks a month, and of course, that that supports the continued production of the podcast. It allows us to actually project and have a budget and be able to figure out what kind of upgrades we can make and how we can expand the team and really start to, you know, build this thing out in a sustainable way. 
Uh, if that's not your thing, if seven bucks a month sounds a little steep to you and you're not into all the other member perks, that's totally cool. Uh, suggest a donation of, I don't know, a dollar per episode. If you think this, uh, this show is worth a dollar uh, each week, uh, that would be great too. You can head over to insideacting.net slash contribute to make a one-time, no-strings-attached, tax-deductible donation. Uh, and yeah, a dollar per episode I think is fair. What do you guys think? Let us know. Send us a dollar. <laughs> And that's it for episode 246 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, level up. Level up.